Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart, they're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome in to episode number 50 of Babes on Broad. That is Yay. the exciting thing about this episode is it's episode Woo-hoo. 50. Yeah, true that. <laughs> I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host Jesse Town and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. It's episode 50 so if you don't know our socials by now you can figure it out. Look up Babes on Broad and everything. You'll probably find our personals on there. You'll figure it out. Let's get into this dumpster fire that we call the 3-6-1 Philadelphia Eagles after their 22-17 loss to the Browns yesterday. Fun little fact, they are 0-6-1 in one o'clock games so far this season and then 3-0 in primetime games. So maybe that's a little bit of positivity right there going into a Monday night game against the Seattle Seahawks, which is probably the best NFC team right now. So Maybe that's a feeling about it. They only they only have one one o'clock game left all season. There we go. So maybe maybe we're on the rise. Our roster gets harder, but we have luck on our side. Chess. Who the so, heck? I mean, also Russell Wilson has never lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in his career, but the Eagles also have not lost this year in prime time. So you know, do with that information what you will. <laughs> so run it with the positivity. The run I like how. No, we normally up. time everything out, and yeah. Jess, you wrote 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> the run defense stepped up for the most part. There were no major injuries. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles, and let's move on. That was there about 15 seconds, if that. So we're going to cut that time in half and spend the rest of the time screaming. Jeez. Oh, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And we said this I, Sam, I didn't change anything. I changed the numbers. I didn't change anything. The not positive list. Last week, we had play calling, defense, shooting themselves in the foot. I did not change any of those things. They were still there. I just adjusted the numbers to match up with what happened this week. It is so frustrating that literally we see it, analysts, other analysts see it, fans see it, moms, dads, grandmas, kids, everybody sees the the problems with this team. The opposing team, everybody sees what the problems are with this team. And our coaches, Doug Peterson and whoever else help him do play calling, cannot see what this team needs. I don't think anybody does help him do play. I think it's just him and it it needs to end. I mean, it's one of the reasons so many people turn down a chance to be the offensive coordinator here and work with a guy like Carson Wentz is because Doug Peterson will not give up his play calling duties and there's no chance of it. And I don't even think he's open to much assistance there. And I think that's kind of why they're giving us the BS committee thing that's going on, which is probably the dumbest decision this organization's made in a while. Yeah. But I mean, so let's talk about the play calling. I mean, you and I harped on it last week. We talked about it in our pregame show. And once again, I just got grossed out chills. Look at this. Grossed out chills. (laughs) You can see them. That's how bad they are. Not calling a play to get Carson out of the pocket when it's clearly his strength until there were 13 minutes and 49 seconds left in the fourth quarter. It was the only 
designed rollout the entire game. And it was an eight yard completion to Travis Fulgham. We will get into that aspect of it a little bit more. Um, but just to confirm with that, I asked the genius himself, that is Dan Orlovsky, to make sure that was correct. <laughs> that is correct. It was 13 Ugh. minutes and 49 seconds left in the fourth quarter when they called that play. I mean, he escaped a few times and, you know, did his, his little magical thing where he escapes uh, from people and, and completed some passes. But for the most part, he was stagnant in the pocket. Um, you know, his very first uh, passing play of the game, Carson was flushed out of the pocket. He escaped, was on the run, delivered an absolute dime to Goddard for mm-hmm. 22 yards. I mean, we watched Baker on the bootlegs over and over and over again. 41 pass plays for the Eagles, one designed rollout. And what happened today in the presser? Doug said, oh, well, I called a bunch of them, but, you know, based on what was going on at the line, Carson, uh, you know, audibled out of them. So Carson on Wednesday said, I prefer to play outside the pocket. And now he apparently it's he's the one calling it not to roll out anymore. It's just such a poop show, dude. Like, and it's so frustrating because I don't believe that one bit Doug saying that just because when Carson is forced out of the pocket you see his true potential like you know what I mean and he has no problem when he is forced out of the pocket if anything and the people are crashing in on him I feel like if he knew that he could be out of the pocket and just run right away like he'd be fine with that the only thing I can think of is that he's nursing an injury of some kind that we don't know about. Like if there's like a tweak of his ankle or his knees bothering him or something. Like, like he has that. like 15 broken ribs and nobody knows about it. Maybe. Oh, okay. That was a good reason. Probably joke. not because they wouldn't, <laughs> they, they would definitely roll him out of the pocket more and not force yeah. him to stand yeah. in there if he had rib, rib. But like maybe there, that's the only explanation I can think of at this point that we haven't tried yet is that maybe he's got like, you know, j- j- something that's like a little so- more sore than usual. But, but I don't I don't see that because even when he does, I mean, we haven't seen it in a few weeks, so I guess maybe. But like before that, like even when he would do a run or get out of the pocket or something, he would always risk his body and people were getting nervous because he was diving into right. defender. You know what I mean? So yeah. like. And that's the thing. He's still out there trying to block when they bring Jalen Hurts in there. Yeah, exactly. If he was injured, that there, 100% when, when Miles Sanders fumbled, he's the first one trying to dive on that ball, diving yeah. in. Like, he's out there just, you know, doing everything. And it sucks that we are where we are because he is, I mean, nope. He's not playing well, but no one's helping him either. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not – Everyone wants it was so quick. It's so easy. And at this point, I think it's it's pretty, you know, lazy and uneducated to just put it all on Carson and push this narrative forward further. It's um, literally that stupid thing where like you blame it on him because he's the quarterback. Obviously, right. you notice everything. It's like baseball with a pitcher. You're you know what I mean? Like obviously you notice every single detail he does. So right. you see him majority of the time and you want to blame him more. Yeah. I but, mean he, he, he's, he's been, he's been bad. I mean, there's no, he has. and that's the thing. We are not being Carson apologists. I want to state that right now, but we are just being realists. Right. And I, I'm people always, you know, the first thing I see when I, I 
talk about this on social media, especially is, oh, well, people were so quick to, you know, if this was McNabb, people were so quick to, I was nine years old. (laughs) Donovan McNabb was in his prime. Okay. I was nine years old when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Okay. I was not old enough to understand or comprehend this. I would be the exact same way as I am right now about Carson Wentz for Donovan McNabb, all things equal. If the play calling was as bad, if the roster construction was as bad, if there were as many drops, and if there was the, you know, if he was getting killed because the offensive line sucked, I would be the same exact way. I am just trying to talk about this as I see it. And you are the, you're the exact same. We're trying to cover this in a way that like, there's plenty of blame to go around. Mm -hmm. It's not one person's fault. Like now, Call a spade a spade. The pick six, awful. Had Prager yeah. wide open, didn't trust it, lofted it to Miles in the flat while getting hit. Obviously paid for it. He's still holding the ball too long. The safety, you know, he got, he should have gotten rid of that ball. He's a problem right now, but he's not the only problem. Like, like I said, at this point, it's extremely lazy to put this all on him. He's at fault, but he's not the only one. And ultimately, we were talking about this before we started recording. Good quarterback play can mask a lot of things wrong with an organization like it did last season. In the middle of the season, Wentz was playing extremely poor football and people were losing their minds. All of a sudden, they're dead in the water, everybody gets hurt, and Carson has to be the hero and come in and comes in and brings them to the playoffs. Which now, because of that, the roster didn't change. Nothing changed because he was playing the way he was. It masked it. So now you look at it, the roster is almost the exact same as last year. You replace a guy like Deontay Burnett, who's still on the practice squad with Travis Fulgham. Fine. You still got Greg Ward out there, JJ Ortega Whiteside. You got a rookie in Jalen Rager who's new, but like, you know, whatever. The only good things they did this offseason was add big names to their already pretty good defensive line. And obviously that's not even helping that much. Right. So ultimately this roster is not different. It's a year older. So now because Carson Wentz is not playing well and not salvaging what they have, his poor play is magnifying the issues with this organization from the top down because his heroics were masking the dysfunction. And I think that is literally the perfect phrase to sum up everything. Everybody that wants to come at Carson, everybody that's just freaking out, it's 100% that. Wentz's poor play magnifies it instead of where last year it masked it. I can't say that word, masked it. Masked it. It's a word I'm going to have to use way more these days. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) But, you know, and then, you know, that's one thing with, you know, the play calls for Carson Wentz. Not only was that an issue. They get away from the run when it's pouring and Miles Sanders is averaging about seven yards a carry, six and a half, seven, around there. Cold, wet, rainy day, no reason in the second half to get away from Sanders. He, he fumbled the ball. I get it. It's pouring. He gets hit in the helmet right where he's carrying the ball. Not many people keep that ball in their hands. Exactly. 14 rushes for 62 yards in the first half, hitting all the holes, finding them extremely well. Second half, two rushes for four yards. Idiotic. Idiotic. (laughs) 
And, you know, especially Carson, like if Carson's starting to struggle, why not throw it in? Why at least not have a balanced run pass offense right now? Because nothing's dominant that's going to lead you to a win. Why not incorporate both to try to throw off a defense, to try to get a rhythm started somewhere? Why not at this point? Right. Then, as we continue, where is Travis Fulgham? And where has he been in the game plan these last couple weeks? One we didn't even see him until the second half. Yep. Didn't even see him until the second half. And, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that needs to get involved early, needs to get involved to be able to get into the rhythm of the game to produce. But then why is he not targeted until the second half? These are the things that are beyond Carson Wentz. And this is why I'm infuriated because while he has been bad, nothing around him has helped. No one is yeah. doing anything to help. They're and leaving him out to dry right now and take all the blame. That's exactly what everybody's doing and every part of this team. And, and you know, it, it, so it, it starts, you know, Wentz has been bad. The play calling has not done anything to help. And then for the, the top level is the roster construction itself. This roster is so poorly constructed. I mean, the, the two guys that stand out are Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey. They're the ones that need to be yeah. out today. Jason Peters. And the only reason we're not talking about Deshaun is because he got hurt, but he wasn't doing much either. And that's another thing that's exactly the same as what you're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Making a ridiculous amount of money. Jason Peters is a Hall of Famer. First ballot, there's absolutely no question in anyone's mind. He might still be playing for the Philadelphia Eagles when he is eligible for the Hall of Fame. Like, that's, <laughs> that's where we are right now. But when you physically cannot protect your quarterback on the damn goal line, if no other time, that's a problem. Their last drive in the third quarter that ended in a safety, they started on, like, the one-inch line. Miles Sanders ran the ball for two yards. Fine. Then on another two-yard run, JP got straight beat off the line. Then on the next play, he got help from Greg Ward. He got chip help from Greg Ward and still got beat for a safety. Now the ball should have been out. No question the ball should have been out. At that point, you also run the risk of a wide receiver not being in the area, the ball not getting back to the line of scrimmage, and then it's still a safety regardless. Yeah. He allowed three hits, three sacks, and three and seven pressures yesterday. He was given a 41 grade by PFF, which is the lowest grade he's ever received from them in his career. It's, Where's my lotto? Yeah. And furthermore, Doug Peterson said this morning, Jason Peters is our left tackle. Why? And that is so frustrating. Like, at this point, yes, we could still somehow possibly take this division. Why not? Especially after he struggles that bad. Why not pull Mylotta back in after he had so much success and think about your future? What kind of head coach doesn't think about that? You are so, I don't even know the word for it, but you aren't able to think about the future. future. I think... The head coach that does that is either one that is too arrogant to continue to be the head coach of this football team or one that has a very specific order from his superiors. 
or a possible third, just because Brett Brown makes me think this is too close and cares too much about hurting feelings. Possible. Also possible. Yes. And, but that's the thing too. And like, I'm coming at JP for this one too. Like if you're having that bad of a game, like you're a hall of famer, nobody will ever take that away from you. Anything like pull yourself from the game. If you aren't producing and you know, somebody else can, like, I don't, I mean, I guess it's a, I don't know if he, that would hurt his pride or something, but that do it for the freaking team. Like that's, that bothers me. Like if you know three hits, three sacks, seven pressures, and you know, your quarterback's struggling already and you're not helping him. I just, I get over the pride, him. dude. I want to text Trey Thomas and just say, make me feel better about Jason Peters. I just want, that's all. Not even how we can <laughs> make me feel better about Jason Peters. I might do that just to see what he says. Yeah, right. But then, so that's that's one. That's that's one. Number two of the roster construction major issue that we have is Alshon Jeffrey. Now, I said this to you before, and I'm going to say it again. Regardless, okay, first of all, I mean, leave him in Cleveland for all I care. Don't even <laughs> make him walk home. Just leave, leave him there. Don't come back. The effort on that was so poor I don't even care about a mistimed jump. Not even trying to put your arms up above your head. He played an entire season with a torn rotator cuff and made better efforts at every ball that came his way. An entire season with a torn rotator cuff. He's supposed to be healthy now, in the best shape of his career, best weight of his career, looks so good, so ready to go. Nothing. No effort. Call me crazy. And I think you are. But <laughs> regardless of the COVID list issue with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, COVID list or not, he would have been inactive on Sunday because of Alshon Jeffrey. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe if that ball is going to J.J. in that situation, that is not an interception. I don't think it necessarily would have been a completed pass. I don't necessarily think he would have caught it. But I do not believe that he would have given such a poor effort that it would have been the easiest interception Denzel Ward will ever have in his career. I really do. I just, I just, he's at least jumping on time and he's getting a hand on that ball. He's not um, pretending to flail and not even lifting his arms above his head. JJ is putting an all-out effort to catch that ball. Whether he does it, that's, you know, eh, whatever. But I don't think that's an interception. I am going to call you crazy on that one. <laughs> just because, just because, yeah. But just because I think it's, that's so many ifs. And I literally have zero, zero, zero confidence in JJ Ortega-Whiteside, like zero. So my thing is i much rather have Alshon Jeffrey out there. I agree. It's frustrating that he didn't put his arms up. But also being a volleyball player, I jumped a lot. You know what I mean? I mistimed a lot. It's hard to jump as high as you can and then mistime it and try to do whatever you can. Granted, he didn't put his arms up, but it's hard when you're on the come down to try to make a play out of that. So I don't necessarily fault him too much in that I mean obviously he did bad he mistimed it but I mean it wasn't necessarily the greatest throw and 
play call there. I don't agree with anyway, but I agree. It's frustrating. He didn't throw his hands up, but I'm not as mad as you are about it. In the fact that I would rather have JJ Ortega Whiteside, because I think, like I said, I have zero confidence in him. There's no telling if he would have had the right timing on that because it was an off pace ball. And then there's also JJ Ortega Whiteside. He does nothing. So like, what's to say, that, oh, he could have caught it, or, oh, he could have knocked it away, or, oh, he could have jumped on time. It's just too many what-ifs for me, and I have more confidence in Alshon than I do J.J., but with that being said, J.J., I'm not J.J., Alshon should have tried more, but it is just a tough situation when you're mistimed from the beginning, and it's such a loop rainbow ball like that, and you're already on your way down. That's exactly what it needed to be in that most, situation. Let me yeah, but, ask this question. Let me ask you this question. How much money were you getting paid to play volleyball? Okay, well, that's a good point, but it oh, happens but my, to my, my biggest issue is he's making $10 million as a 10-year NFL vet. But that's another vet. thing, though. But it's another thing. I mean, yes, he has played with Carson before. He's had success. He's also not had success with Carson. But he hasn't gotten in that rhythm. So a play like that, you can't. I don't care. Timing. You are a 10-year NFL veteran wide receiver making $10 million. Your one job is to catch the ball that's thrown your way. And if you can't catch it, you make an effort on it. And I'm sorry, you're what? 20th snap of the season? Go out there and make an effort to earn that money because that is one of the most egregiously disgusting efforts I've ever seen. And we watched Nelson Aguilar play for the team five years. I think you just have a lot of pent up energy right I now. Do. That's absolutely <laughs> because I, true. I do not. I mean, there were a lot of faults in this team. I am not going to waste my energy yelling at Alshon because of that play. Because I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like he hasn't played much this season he his timing's going to be off on a play like that timing is everything so I don't fault him too much yes he should have had good timing but yes he also hasn't had any time this season to get that going and get that flow with Carson and especially he be out there but especially when he's trying to get he that connection that takes then. time he shouldn't be playing and that play who are you gonna put who are you gonna put Jess who are you gonna put there I don't care I quite honestly I don't care Put an action that's Quez working Watkins on active instead. Have Quez Watkins nope. active instead. No, nope. I, I, I don't care. But so that, but that's and so, that goes back to our other issue. That call shouldn't have been made. That play call shouldn't have been made. If that's if that's the case, if he's if his timing's off, he hasn't had enough time with Carson. If this, that, and the other thing, he shouldn't be out there. He shouldn't be out there taking snaps. He shouldn't be out there getting balls thrown his way. That well, that's what I'm saying though. Like, that situation instead. But that's what I'm saying. Yes, he's an NFL quarterback. Or, wide receiver yes he's supposed to make that play yes sometimes mistiming happens when you haven't had time to get that with your quarterback nobody knows that yes you're going to try that because he might be the best option I don't know I don't know their playbook for that position you know what I mean nobody could have been like oh yeah so Alshon's gonna mistime this and then, so we should blah, 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 blah. Like, nobody knows what's going to happen in this situation. I don't blame the play call in that aspect. But I also don't blame Alshon. So who do you blame? To that, your extent. To your extent. Yes, he should have been on timing. But I understand that that happens. I, but, yeah, but the, my issue is with the giving up on the play halfway through. The ball's still in the air and you just gave up. 
I agree. And you, he should have thrown his hands up. You know what kind of struggles this offense is having. You know what kind of struggles this team is having. I get that he missed time to jump. Fine. His Achilles are not what they used to be 10 years ago. Fine. I Fine. Like, fine. But the fact that he gave up halfway through is my biggest issue with that right there. I don't care about timing. I don't care about pass interference. I don't care about anything else. Giving up on that halfway through is exactly why I didn't want him active on this roster in the first place. It's exactly, it's exactly why I wanted him cut regardless of the cap hit. And it's exactly why I didn't want him to come back over someone else and take snaps and targets from someone else because he quits halfway through and he hangs his head and has a terrible attitude. And I hoped it would be different and it's not. And it's, it's really, really, really infuriating at this point, that is like the last te- thing that this team needs. It just makes it work. Um, it's one of those things that I just don't. Just we just see it differently. Yeah, I mean, because then in my in my thought, he's coming down on the ball. It was a looped rainbow ball. There's no way he'd be able to even touch the ball on his going down when it was a loop like that. So there, he had no chance on the ball because of his missed time. So if anything, he throws his hands up and he risks the pass interference, offensive pass interference. So it's just that's been turning the ball over because then with the, because with the turnover, now all it does is it's, Oh, well, Carson Wentz threw two interceptions. You know, it, it, it plays into that unfortunate narrative further when in reality it is, is, you know, do the, the interceptions get charged to him? It doesn't matter what else happens on the play. You know, I totally, I, I, I totally see what you're saying on that one, but it's, it's, it just makes a bad situation worse, in my opinion. Like the lack of effort at that point. And it's just, it, it, it makes me wonder when he would give effort because at that point, they're still very much in the game. They could score again, make it a two-point game with five, six minutes left. Like that game wasn't over. It was ugly, but it wasn't over. That effectively made that game over. That turnover itself. A pass interference there, an offensive pass interference, doesn't end that game right there. No, you're right. But I don't think that necessarily – there's a lot of – I don't think that's the one play that lost them sure. this game. Oh, to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, I mean, there was also that. a bad call with the refs blowing the de- – or the fumble early on Baker and Mayfield, which is super frustrating because that wouldn't have resulted in a touchdown. And so the game could have been different there. So I don't attribute it – yes, it's frustrating that Carson got an interception on it, but – that happens. It's football. Ultimately, with the, and we're a bad the anger, team playing. The football. anger from that is the anger that that came from was stemming from the poor roster construction. And the you're right. You're right. Loyalty, on that. Yeah. The loyalty to these players that if you're here's here's what infuriates me to no end. And we're going to wrap this up right here and <laughs> take our break because we're definitely over on what our timing should be, but <laughs> necessary. The loyalty that was had to Jason Peters and to Alshon Jeffrey, but not to Malcolm Jenkins, is infuriating. That's a great point. A great point. That's where the root of all of my frustrations with the roster construction comes from, because regardless of – so if you want to be like, oh, they're aging, they're on the decline, that's true. So is Malcolm. Malcolm still isn't missing snaps. Malcolm's still out there being a leader of a defense and a leader on the team and a leader in the community – and helping pull a team together. Right now, this team doesn't have a leader on the defensive side. 
the team does not have an identity and they don't have that person to light a fire under their butt, be the guy that Malcolm was. But you're going to have this loyalty to Jason Peters, who's costing you points, to Alshon Jeffrey. Taking your money. <laughs> costing, costing you points and taking your money and giving you nothing positive in return. That's what I think that says something. I'm pretty sure I brought it up in the beginning of the year, just real quick. I think that says something, too, because I was already questioning his pride kind of thing, not taking himself out. Sure. It says something when you know your team needs you and instead of being there, like Tom Brady taking pay cuts and other players taking pay cuts for their team and stuff, you demand more money in order to help a team. That's supposed to be – that gave you everything, that made you a Hall of Famer, that did all this. You know what I mean? So I – Hopefully JP doesn't hear this because I'm kind of attacking him. He's not going like that. I love but, that man. And I have so much respect for and him. And I'm so grateful I for do. him. I just questioned some things. Lord. But real quick, so what are your top three reasons that they lost? Uh, real quick, top three. Play calling and game plan, I thought. Horrible on third downs, getting away from the run, just disgusting. Um, the roster had it with a lack of linebackers. Yeah, linebackers are still an issue. What a time <laughs> to be alive. Um Alex Singleton did have a good game, though. Did for have Alex Singleton, he did. <laughs> um, you know, the roster construction is just bad. I'm still annoyed with all of it, and you know, Wentz was really bad. So I would go play yeah. calling and game plan, roster construction still, and and Carson Wentz. You know, he he didn't make the plays he needed to make when they're missed open guys, no confidence in receivers. Yeah, unfortunate. What about you? Yes, yeah, so I had the same exact things. Play calling is 100% my number one. We said in the pregame show we needed to see Carson out of the pocket in a heavy run game. We saw neither. Um, and everybody in the world can tell that's what this team needs besides our coaching. So that's extremely frustrating. Um, instead of play calling, I'm just going right with Howie. I mean, not play calling. With um, roster construction, I'm going right with Howie because I cannot stand that man because the only thing he's done, we already said it, is add to the D-line that – it hasn't even benefited him at all, but they were our strongest point going into the season. So why, like he just did it for clout. He cares about what he looks like in my opinion. And my number three is Carson because Carson did have a very poor game, but I think you summed it up perfectly earlier with saying when he plays poorly, it magnifies it because the rest of the team's so bad. But when he plays good, nobody notices because it covers up everything else. So like, He's in a very tough spot, but he did have a poor game. Ironically, though, he did have more yards than Baker, which you would not tell if you watched that game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so those are my top three. Oh, what a time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer some of our listener questions as well as try to lighten the mood a little bit by reading the responses to the picture we posted with the uh, caption this title. So you are listening to The Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back into episode number 50 of Babes on Broad. So we kind of just been yelling this whole time. It's not fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's our 50th episode. We did not get that. But let's see if we can try to help people answer some questions, Jess. All right. So at Roberto2525 said, I read recently that Peterson made Foles look like Montana. Is Doug Peterson's coaching not suited to Carson Wentz's strengths? Um. Yeah, I think we're starting to see that. I think it more and more every year you see that maybe it was Frank Reich and John Filippo, And it concerns me that, I mean, maybe they aren't a good pair or maybe Doug's just not as good as we thought he was. Yeah. I, I definitely think, I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, I, 
I think that, you know, somewhere it's in there and they can get back to it. But ultimately, I just, I think Doug is more than anything doing a disservice to Carson at this point. Um, at Austin J. Stevenson said, which is the worst claim? Quarterback factory or dream team? QB factory, 100%. 100%. Dream team's kind of cliche. It can fit anywhere and you just have a good team. So you're like, yeah, this dream team is what you want. QB factory is like self-proclaimed embarrassing. Yeah, it, it speaks to so much, <laughs> like, so many issues that are within the organization. Like, that tells you everything you need to know about what's wrong with this organization right now, I think. And I think that's the scary yeah. part. Um, at Ari Blue PXP, will the Eagles win another game this season? They still have um, the Cowboys and Washington, so hopefully. <laughs> we'll just go with Yes. I don't know where, I don't know how, but yes. Don't get an upset in one of the hard things because that's so Eagles of them, you know. Oh, they're going to go, they're going to blow out the Seahawks on Monday night. We're all going to be like, what the heck do we do now? Like, yeah, we're, right? we're not going to under, we're not going to know. It's going to be absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> at Cali Dream says, who wins a game first, the Eagles or the Sixers? Well, um, so, the, so Sixers. the Sixers start December's 22nd, right? Uh-huh. And that's a, is that a Sunday? And they have. And they have a hard stretch going up until then. Okay, so the okay, no, December twenty second's a Tuesday. So the Eagles will have one game after the Sixers start. They will play the Washington football team. Will they win a game before they play the Washington football team? As funny as it would be to have the Sixers, yes, the Eagles will win a game before then. I'm with you. <laughs> At Corey Bid said, "Who gets the most blame?" I think we both said it I, at this point. Do, well, okay, if we're going person, do you person Howie. On Howie or more blame on Doug? Howie? Howie, 100%. And I told you this earlier, I need Howie to be gone after this season. And a lot of people are saying, well, if Howie goes, then Doug has to go. At this point, I don't care. If you have to get rid of Doug to get rid of Howie, do it. Yeah. Because I Doug's not a big loss to me right now either. If getting rid of Doug at this point, in my opinion, is useless without also getting rid of Howie. Getting rid oh, 100%. of 100% doesn't solve any problem. Um, yeah. At Wentzwagon11 says, is there any way this team doesn't walk into Dallas at 3-10-1 given the next four games? Hey, I mean, on paper, that's what it will be. <laughs> but... <laughs> but because Philly is so Philly, I think they will upset at least one team. I agree. I think, I think, I don't think that they will lose the next four. I think they're going to win one. I don't know which one. Well, think about it, dude. If they lose the next four, what is that? Six straight losses? Yeah. No, it's seven straight losses. Nah, no, six. Because it'd be four and then they just lost to the Browns and then they just lost to um, the Giants and then they had the, it was the oh, they beat the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys. So six. You wouldn't think they beat the Cowboys, but they beat No, but yeah, right. <laughs> um, at Cotto 31 says, will we win any more games this season? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> at Matty Matt 427 says, should the Eagles bench Wentz? No. Not going into a game. I would have been okay with it yesterday just because he was playing so poor. And yeah, so I would have been okay with – uh, fourth quarter Jalen Hurts just because why not I have an interesting question for you if they don't have Jalen Hurts if it's just Nate Sudfeld and Josh McCown chilling back there you think people are screaming for them to bench Wentz as much as they are I saw this 
somebody brought it up to me in my DMs or something. But I think that's such a great point because for me, I love Josh McCown or I mean, obviously we don't have him, but, or Nate Sudfeld and he would I do the same. High. Yeah. And I would prefer, I mean, not prefer, I would still say the same thing. Like, yeah, Carson at yesterday, go ahead. But I think for everybody else, no, I don't think people would be yelling at Carson like they are if we didn't have Jalen Hurts back there. Yeah. And I Thanks, think Howie. this is, yeah, exactly. This is part of the, <laughs> part of the issue, right? Like this is yeah. part of like, what the heck is Howie doing? Nothing, nothing. They, this organization has done nothing but do disservice after disservice to Carson Wentz, whether it be calling roster construction, what have you, they've done nothing but screw him left and right. Um, and it's unbelievable that he's still out there putting his, himself on the line and giving every you know getting sacked 40 times getting hit another 50 and diving for fumbles and out there blocking like it's amazing that he's giving everything he has still because this organization has done nothing to show him I mean obviously they gave him the contract but it just shows he's a good guy yeah (laughs) to me it just shows he's a good guy (laughs) um at Jim Daly 63 asks does Doug Peterson keep his job and we kind of talked about that yeah we just kind of talked about it so if it means that Howie or Doug has to go for Howie to go. I'm fine with that. If Doug just lost his job and nobody else, I'd be pissed with that. But just yeah. for the fact that Howie's not gone. <laughs> we talked about it before we got on and we, we kind of likened it to what the Phillies did last year with Gabe Kapler. Yeah. I know Gabe Kapler wasn't the greatest manager in the world. And I know that. Definitely a big upgrade with Joe Girardi. hundred percent. And I love having Joe Girardi here, but firing Gabe Kapler without, while keeping Matt Klintak, that does nothing and we, to help you. We saw the proof in this year. Joe Girardi is a huge improvement from Gabe Kapler, even though Gabe Kapler's not nearly as bad as people made him seem. But Joe Girardi's still an upgrade. And we saw no improvement really in the team this year. Right. Because it's Gabe not Kapler that. Gabe Kapler did just as well as he did here out in San Francisco. In fact, mm-hmm. we had to rely on them to lose to be able to possibly get into the playoffs. Yeah. And our roster was no better construction constructed because we nope. saw the same person there. What do you, Oh, JT Philly 99 asks, what do you think it's going to take for Jeffrey Lurie to make some changes? I kind of got in a little debate with somebody yesterday and she was saying how she has no faith that Howie's going to be gone because of Lurie and Howie's relationship. And if that's the case, that's absolute bull crap to me. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Because we saw that with the Sixers. Nobody wanted to let go, Brett go because he was a good guy. They had good connections. Everybody liked him. And we got nowhere. Yep. You cannot be the head of a team and have emotions get involved. I think. To that extent. I think they have to lose out for Jeffrey Lurie to step in. I think they have to literally not win another game and finish this season. What is that? 3-12-1. and 12-1. One. I think that's when Jeffrey Lurie steps in. I think that's what it would take to actually get him to step in and do something. Because at this point, I don't, I don't necessarily think like, I don't think Doug Peterson's lost the locker room. I don't think these guys don't buy into Doug. I don't think, I don't think he's lost all that from that perspective. And he stepped in in 2016 or 15 because Chip Kelly had, they were fed up. Yeah. And the player was done. And that's why he stepped in and fired him before the end of the season. That was like shocking to me that that even happened. That's true. And, you know, especially because these guys won a Super Bowl, you know, I think it's going to take something drastic for Jeffrey Lurie to actually step in. And this is the last question, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, At Ronnie B, the lifeguard said, how bad does it have to get before we rebrand as a Sixers podcast? (laughs) Uh, 
I don't think it matters how, I mean, unless Bleeding Green Nation rebrands their entire self as a Sixers network, that we're not yeah. going anywhere. That's the first step. And then <laughs> we would, until that happens, we're just going to continue to yell and cry <laughs> for you guys. Yep. We're going to continue to scream. We're going to continue to vent and be sad, apparently. Yeah. That's all the Eagles are letting us do is be sad. Um, okay. <laughs> well, we are going to hold off on our caption this picture until later in this week where we preview next week's matchup with the Seahawks. We'll try to make that a more happy, lighthearted episode. <laughs> it's just too doom and gloom right now to do anything happy. I can't be happy, unfortunately, during our 50th episode. But thank you for listening to episode 50. Be sure to keep your eye out, as we just said, for our other episode coming out this week. We'll also be back on Monday to do our pregame show before primetime, definitely with some drinks involved on that one because I don't know if I can do any other <laughs> way from here on out. But as always, thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure to follow all the socials for not only us, but everything else on Bleeding Green Nation as well. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating, written review, the whole nine. We'll talk to you later this week. We are the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Babes on Broad. BGN.